The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Sunday, day after USC finished off the regular season, 8-4 with a 52-35 win over crosstown rival UCLA. We're going to do a show a little bit early this week with Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. We want to answer all your questions about this Trojan football team, finishing up the regular season, like I said, still waiting to see. Outside chance at winning the uh, Pac-12 championship if Utah falls at home to Colorado. Colorado did just get a big win and upset over Washington. So we'll see how that unfolds. But USC will be sitting on the sidelines watching the action unfold because their bye week falls in the last week of the regular season. But we're going to talk with the coach about that, answer all of your questions. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or give us a call or a text at 424 424- 254-9141. We got voicemails today. We got text messages today. We got emails today. All within 20, less than 24 hours after this game with UCLA ended. It was an early game on Saturday. Kind of give us a little head start at the push towards the bowl game and you know potential offseason stuff. So we want to bring in the coach right now, talk to him about all of that. Hello, coach. How are you? Uh, Ryan, I'm doing great. A beautiful day yesterday in the Coliseum. Not only the weather, but the outcome of the game. And also today when we do this uh, podcast, it's a beautiful day here in Southern California. Why would anybody else want to go out of state when you can go to USC if you're a recruit? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of them are choosing to do that. Uh, we'll see if that changes. It's one of the the, the grumblings and understandable uh, issues with a lot of the fans where the recruiting class is not ranked uh, very high. Last I checked, it was 77th in the country. 11th of the Pac-12, there were uh, six official visitors uh, at USC over the weekend, so they did get to see a, a big win over uh, UCLA, so we'll see how that unfolds. But yeah, it's it's a great place to live, Coach, but the, the recruits are, they're telling you what they think uh, by what they're, the, the verbal commitments they're giving, and they are not giving them to USC. But we'll, we'll probably get into that in a little bit. We want to talk about the game uh, with you, Coach, coming off the the win over UCLA, certainly USC finished the revenge tour, I guess you could say, late in the season, losing to the likes of Cal and ASU and UCLA last year, especially a 2-8 and eight UCLA team. That was hard for Trojan fans to swallow. So a 4-6 UCLA team that actually won three of the last four, even though they got stomped by Utah the previous week, 
Um, you know, putting up 52 points, Keaton Slovis going over 500 yards. First time a USC quarterback's done that. First time four USC receivers went over 100 yards. It's only happened once in college football this century. It was a Texas Tech team, so you can kind of see where the trend is there. Uh, uh, Graham Harrell was actually a backup quarterback on that team. I think it was back in like 2005 when they did that. That's a hard. That's a hard thing to accomplish. Wasn't a great defensive effort. Wasn't a great um, special teams effort. But the, offensively, it was a really big, uh, big day for USC. So maybe we'll start off, Coach, getting your thoughts on the uh, the win over uh, UCLA. It's always good to win, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, no matter what, okay. And they did get a nice win. And uh, you know the headlines, of course, are all talking about Kendon Solovis. Solvis. Keaton, like Keaton Slovis, coach. Everyone complains. Keaton, what did I call it? Kendon something. I don't, you, you like Kendon? There's no uh, Keaton Slovis. I'll just, you know. Keaton. Oh, Keaton. well, did he change his name? No, it's been Keaton Slovis. <laughs> huh? it, every, every time we do a show, coach, they're like, coach can't say the quarterback's name right. He threw for over 500 yards, so I have to correct you. Keaton Slovis. Oh, Keaton. Keaton okay, Slovis. well, I thought maybe he changed his name. I, yeah. I didn't. I wasn't sure, but everybody knows who I'm talking about, <laughs> they, right? They do, yes, they do. <laughs> well, that's why they uh, always put their number on the helmet. They say, hey, you, number nine, get over here. Hey, you, number 19, get over here. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a headline. And uh, uh, this kid has really uh, uh, proven that he's a football player. He's a gamer. And he's a type of kid that you want on your sideline, you want in the game. He's calm, he's humble. Players love him. You can tell they're all concerned about him a lot. He's concerned about them. And it's great to have a quarterback like that. He sort of has the feeling of a Sam Darnold as far as when he grows up a little bit more, he'll have more of that silent leader, a lot of confidence in him, and a lot of courage. I mean, he stands in there, and they beat him to death, okay? I'd like to really see him give him more protection by doing certain things I talk about every week, but they don't do that. He makes big plays by scrambling around. They're overloading one side, and they had no way of blocking it. And uh, the way they were lined up, so, you know, eventually they brought their tight end to help block, but he made some big plays. Receivers had a big game, four over 100 yards, 600 yards in passing or whatever. Just unbelievable, 500 yards in passing. But you know what a what a what a great afternoon for the offensive side of the football. Really productive. Yet you know there's still a lot of things you won't believe. This I kept tweeting out. You know this. Run the football more. Run the football more, and you'll be a more balanced, better football team. But they elected to throw the ball because it was so effective, and they were getting such big numbers. And I'm not quite quite sure. If they're trying to set numbers by yardage or whatever, but uh, they certainly went after it and they did do that. As far as on the defensive side of the ball, uh, can't be very proud of giving up 35 points and uh, you know giving up that many yardage in a football game. Um, uh, you know, have your secondary, the breakdowns, some of the things like the roughing the kicker, like you mentioned, special teams, a muff of a punt. Uh, you know, all these type of things uh, you can't have on a on a team, a championship team, especially in the special teams area, where you spend so much time working on special teams that you make some of the dumbest mistakes as far as on the special teams. I mean, it's got to be corrected. 
On the defensive side, it's always been that they can't contain to keep the quarterback keep. And I have to admire Thompson Robinson, the way he ran around. And he's going to be a great player. He needs to get a little bit more physical. Took a pretty good beating. He showed a lot of courage, too, and staying in the game, just getting his ankles retaped up. You know, the tackling was a little bit questionable as far as the USC. The breakdowns in the secondary weren't good, and containment wasn't good. Sometimes the defensive front people don't look athletic. When they have a, a quarterback in a position where uh, you don't get panicked, he should be panicked. You should settle down, control your body, and say, come to me, baby, I'm waiting for you. Uh, they seem to sometimes get themselves out of position. But when you look at the overall uh, picture, Helton uh, ends up 40-21 and 21 as a head football coach this year. Uh, the big thing is, will it continue? What's going to happen? A lot of decisions that are going to be made here in the last, in the next couple of days. So as far as the, the game itself, not a sellout, which uh, I was looking at and wondering how many people would show up for this game. That's a little disappointing. Uh, not to sell out the Coliseum for UCLA-USC game. But uh, a big win, and you got to always be happy when you win, Ryan. Yeah, it certainly was a, a big win, and you got to be happy. I think when you – there's a lot of fans that aren't happy because they're not sure about the future of the program. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I would say, look, this is – you know, you went a year with UCLA having a win. If you're a USC fan and you're work, you go to your office and you're a UCLA fan, your friends, coworkers, whatever, know, you know, hey, we beat you guys last year, blah, blah, blah. That goes away. You get the victory bell back. I think you have to try to win these rivalry games no matter what. And then you're going to let the chips fall where they may. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Obviously, offensively, this was a, we talked about before, it's a putrid UCLA secondary. It just, they were one of the worst in the country, giving up almost 300 yards a game. I think it was 27 touchdown passes. Uh, Keaton Slovis threw a bunch more. And, uh, you know, like you said, over 500 yards. No one's ever done that before. Matt Barkley had uh, 492, I believe it was. Um, you know, Sam Darnold was like in the 450 range or something. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there, you know, there were some good performances. Uh, that was in the the Rose Bowl for for Darnold. But you know, this was pretty amazing when just you look at USC history. And I know college football's changed a lot. You just can't compare the offenses now to 15, 20 years ago. Even even when USC, you know, Norm Chow and Matt Liner and all that stuff, like. The numbers you're putting up now are, are pretty ridiculous, but this was the best that we've seen. And uh, it's pretty crazy that it was spread out enough. That's, I mean, that's what's impressive to me, coach, is if you threw for like 250 yards of one receiver because he had two like 80-yard bombs or something, but it was spread out well. And even a couple of games ago when Slovis had two passes, three passes that were over 45 yards, each one went to a different guy. To have four different guys get over 100 yards and... Michael Pittman, who's the you know your Bolitnikov Award, uh, you know semifinalist, they needed to throw him a ball late to get him over that hundred yard mark, and I think they kind of did that on purpose. At least when I talked to uh, Tyler Vaughn's afterwards, they kind of knew that that was in the works there. Um, I that to, that's impressive to me, Coach, because it is spread out a lot, and even though maybe you're not running the ball as well, they ran. I think their two top backs ran for 140 yards combined with uh, Carr and Malapai, which was nice to see um, those guys getting some some run again. Spreading the passing game between four different guys uh, kind of shows me the versatility that, that Graham Harrell has brought to this offense. No, I agree. I really do agree. And uh, just imagine he didn't recruit one of these quarterbacks either. 
So uh, he's taken these kids, or this special kid here, and really uh, he came in as a, a talented kid, and he's growing up, and one of the pro scouts in the box yesterday said, you know, I came here not knowing much about this kid, but every time I watch him play in every moment, every series, every pass, I say, who is this kid? This kid's a super, going to be a superstar. So, you know, everybody's trying to uh, figure out how this is actually happening. But when you look around the, uh, the country and you see what some of these quarterbacks are doing, it's Gordon Kidd at Washington State. How about that one last night? I don't know if you had a chance to see it. Over 600 yards, six touchdown passes. And the Daniel Kidd, Daniel's at Arizona State. His bombs he threw as they upset Oregon. Uh, quite an exciting conference right now. And uh, the cost, the the loss that uh, Oregon had cost uh, the conference millions of dollars because if Oregon somehow could have got in the Final Four, the college football playoffs, and Utah had gone to the Rose Bowl, that's two major bowl games. But that's not going to happen now. So that cost the Pac-12 millions of dollars, and that's really too bad. But that's college football. I think one thing they have to consider in the future is why they have that ninth game. And if you look at the Southeastern Conference on who some of these teams played or played uh, yesterday or the ACC, you say, wow, they pick up a win, they make a lot of money, and, uh, you know, they have an advantage over the Pac-12. But that's not for me to decide. That's for our commissioner and the athletic directors and football coaches. I know the football coaches would would be in favor of playing one less game in conference play because if you have 12 teams, that means one team's going to or six teams are going to have one extra loss. Okay, it just doesn't make sense to yeah. me. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100. percent Alabama is Alabama and Oregon were fighting to get a college football playoff spot. Essentially, Alabama played Western Carolina. Oregon played um, ASU on the road. You know, so. That's completely different where Alabama just gets an easy win going into their next game. In Oregon, you know, they trying to do something that no one's done, go 9-0 and in conference play. They end up getting a loss on the road. So, that, yeah, to me, Coach, that is a game changer. The people that say 8 versus 9 doesn't make a difference, it to me, it makes a huge difference. And if you want to compete with the SEC and the ACC and get a playoff team in every year, you can't do it with that uneven playing field. You have to either everyone go to 9 or if you if making the playoffs is important to you, go back to eight. To in my opinion, you're right on, Ryan. I've been saying this for a couple of years now, and uh, it certainly has proven out. the uh, The Pac-12 just eliminates itself in conference from any type of playoff, and the others are smart enough to to play the game and know exactly what it takes. It's record wise, and they talk about strength of schedule and all this and that only when they need it. Okay. And I really think that this year the committee and television and so on was really trying to help the Pac-12 as far as getting them high up in the rankings and so on and try to get a team in there since they haven't been in there for so long. But they just beat themselves because of their schedule and the way they, they do things. So what can we say? Just uh, move on and talk about it. And that's about what our opinion is. I guess both of us agree on this. Yeah, no, we definitely agree. Um, the the concerns I had, and I think you know, you mentioned some of the problems with tackling, with uh, containment. Dorian Thompson Robinson had a huge night for UCLA uh, with breakdowns in the secondary. You saw Devin Asiasi go absolutely nuts. Um, you know, he had five catches for 141 yards. 
Phillips had 12 catches for 123 yards. Uh, you know, that you saw UCLA do very, I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, 367 yards passing. He had three touchdowns and a pick, but he also, he ran, he ran for 93 yards. Now it's 64 total, but he gained 93 yards running. Um, you know, the sacks will take away from that. Uh, USC got him a few times, but for, for me, I mean, he just seemed to be doing almost anything he wanted to. And there are legit concerns about what USC was doing defensively. They, I know the focus was, Hey, um, you got to stop Josh Kelly. And the team was celebrating. He had 15 carries for 45 yards. Like that's nice. But I mean, I take it away. One guy is fine, but you can't let another guy go absolutely bonkers. And someone who's as capable as DTR is to kill you like that. Well, on defense, they were just trying something to be positive on and, uh, you know, giving up 35 points. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about the passing yards. They don't want to talk about that. And if you're a coach or a player, you've got self-pride. And you talk about, well, we held him under 100 yards because last year he got 289 or whatever. And uh, Hufunga, i got to give him credit. He had one hell of a football game. Thank goodness for him. But uh, defensively, just have, they have, just haven't played up to their ability. They haven't over the last couple of years. And, you know, it seems to be always the same story, the same area, the same concerns, uh, the same... Uh, non, uh, you know, performance and the same type of thing. So, you know, uh, you can only talk about it so long and then you wonder really what's going on. So we're going to find out what's really going on here shortly. I don't know when or what their decision is going to be on the head coaching position. I know one thing, uh, I don't know how many of you out there listened to the broadcast last, last night, but, uh, Dan uh, Greasy or Bob Greasy or Dan Greasy or whatever it is, or Brian Greasy, excuse me. Uh, man, was he endorsing Clay Helton. It's almost like uh, they told him to talk about it, not just once. And, I, and, I'm, and I, I think he deserves an opinion, but it went on and on and on during the entire game. So uh, I sometimes wonder what the media is doing, uh, both the broadcasters and also the media in town, as far as some wanting it and some don't wanting it, some sticking a knife in one guy's back because they they use this word integrity and scandal when they can use it, and if they don't, uh, if they want a guy, they don't bring up that stuff. So you know, we'll see what happens. It's uh, the new athletic director's decision. I think I'm not quite sure if it is really. But it seems sort of funny to me. It'd be a tough thing to do, wouldn't it? After the head coach hands you the game ball and you walk off the field and you got to call him in on Monday or Tuesday and tell him you're making a change and you've only been here two weeks. Wow. I'll tell you what, this is going to be a great story. No, it will. And uh, it's, I, I didn't get to watch the broadcast yet. It's, uh, you know, we're recording this early Sunday or Sunday, you know, early afternoon. So I want to go watch that uh, probably later this afternoon. But that's all I heard was how the you know the uh, announcers were talking up Clay Helton and how positive things were and why he deserves another job. Man, nothing makes people you know the USC fans more mad than that coach. If, all over Twitter, all over our message boards, they hated it. They could not stand it. And the LA Times was somewhat supportive of Clay Helton too. But I think a couple of the columnists, I know Arash Markazi, I think Dylan Hernandez too, wrote a, a piece about you know. He was the right guy at the time, but it's time for USC to move on. So that at least they had the LA Times sort of like kind of backing their position. 
Um, but yeah, coach, they, they were really upset at what was going on with the broadcast. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that noticed that. I think you deserve an opinion as far as a broadcaster, but not continuously through the entire game. Uh, either someone instructed them to do that or he's engaged to his daughter or something. I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but I mean, that's a little bit overboard. I'd say, you know what I mean? One way or another, even if it was, you know, they think it should be a change. Okay. Mention it and move on. But not every other word, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get to what you're saying. And you're right. The fans were 100% on your side there. I definitely want to go back and listen to this one because, you know, I'm curious to see what they did. Well, that's 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 a good segue to our first question. This is Steve in Carmel Valley. Hey, Ryan and team, thank you for all the great work you do. Your podcasts are a huge addition to my USC experience. Well, thanks for that. Excited about the big win over the Bruins, or he says Ruins. Glad to see the correct team back on top in L.A. I just watched the game on ESPN. I was amazed at how uh, Levy and Greasy were drunk on the Clay Helton Kool-Aid. It's almost like they were repeating what Clay himself says about the team finishing strong, as if that's the key to Clay keeping his job. I thought broadcasters were supposed to have a uh, I thought broadcasters were supposed to have opinions of their own. I guess maybe that's the nature of needing to cover so many teams. You have to default to what you hear from the teams themselves. I, for one, agree with Dan and Ryan's sentiment that this point, uh, at this point, Clay Helton's future should hang. I'm sorry. I think he means at this point, Clay's future shouldn't hang in the balance of the result of a few end of the season wins, especially wins over teams with losing records. Anyway, I just wondered what your thoughts were. Thanks for fight on Stephen Carmel Valley. Well, I think we've talked about this. You know, wins and losses are really important, but the overall view of the program is what's important, too. Uh, how many USC boosters or people at the university would buy a T-shirt that says, we're 25th in the country? Uh, I don't know, Ryan. You went there. Would you be rushing to the bookstore today? <laughs> Probably not now, Coach. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not trying to be a smartass, but I might sound like one. I think there's higher, higher expectations as far as for the USC football program. They are sitting back now, and instead of going to the Pac-12 uh, championship game, they're hoping someone can beat somebody so they have a chance to go. And that's not, I don't think, what the USC Trojan tradition and football program's about. And I think people are looking at just the record as far as an indication, and you should look at the record, don't get me wrong, but the indication of just where the football program is, and there's a lot of different numbers like that to look at. And I don't want to talk about other questions we're going to get, but there's a recruiting side of it, there's a discipline side of it, there's the overall attitude within the program, are we a team or are we a bunch of stars? There's a lot of things of what the feeling of the alumni football players feel and the way they look at the football program, the alumni, the way they look at it, the presentation of the seniors, how they do that, as far as the overall administration of the athletic department, I believe, and the university. So do they really want it at USC? I think that's the main question I ask all of the administrators and regents and trustees. Do you really want to play for a national championship or just you are, are you a pretender? Which means, yes, we'd like to win, but not at that cost. So, you know, these are the things we're going to find out. And uh, 
Uh, you've got to look at everything, not just a record, uh, when you uh, evaluate a football program and what we expect. And like I said, how many T-shirts would they sell in the bookstore today or whatever online if they came out and said, we made the coaches poll or <laughs> 25? Yeah, um, I, probably not. Probably not too many. Uh, let's see. Next one up. And, and unfortunately, I, we don't have a lot of stuff about uh, the game itself. Most of the questions are, um, you know, obviously about the future of the program. We have a, this is a text message from Trojan Rick. Uh, it, it's along the same lines, but I just want to make sure I read what the, what these guys are saying. Uh, please explain to me why some of these uninformed TV commentators gave a five minute take on why Clay Helton should keep his job. They failed to mention that he is outcoached by teams with lesser talent. And when the talent is comparable, we're usually only in the game for a half at best. If Clay stays on, there's nothing he can do to endear himself to Trojan Nation short of a national title. Mike Bone has to know that. And it was a question mark and an exclamation point. Why should anyone have to be put through this again? If he stays on, we'll be doing the same thing week one. Uh, good game for the fellas, but please put him out the pasture already. Big time programs deserve big time coaches. Trojan Rick and I'm still pissed. And yeah, I mean, you, you could see this. It's sort of like Groundhog's Day, if you remember the movie, Coach, where you, to me, you can't go week to week. Oh, they won a game. They look good. Oh, they they lost it they, in terrible fashion. They look terrible. Oh, look, they they beat a few bad teams at the end of the season. And they finished strong. And um, I I just think you can't. You've you've done this. You've you've done this already. I don't think you can do it again. USC opens with Alabama next year, so. You get blown out by Alabama, but then, oh, then they bounce back and beat some other teams. And uh, yeah, this team's getting better. It's just one of those things where uh, the fans are enough. I mean, you can't, they, it's like they've been through purgatory and they're just like resting in purgatory right now, coach. And they need to get something different to happen. And that's just not, it just, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but that's, that's what the fans want right now. Well, the fans want that right now. And why it's easy for the fans is they don't know Clay Helton personally. And what you've gotten to do and what I've gotten to do and what all the media people have gotten to do, they've got to know the guy. And he's really a nice guy. He's really a hard guy to to say after 10 years it's time to pack your bags. And here, Merry Christmas. Uh, it's tough to do. But I would think it'd be easier for a new AD, if it's, if it's going to be done, that doesn't have a real relationship with anyone in the athlete department and comes in and does what's right because of his history and his knowledge and exactly what he's been told to do. This is the key, what he's been told to do by the administration because he's going to make the decisions, yes, to a point, but not completely because the trustees have to approve what he says in the president. So you've got to look at all of this and you've got to understand that's why you don't read a lot of vicious articles. The press can get really vicious if they think a guy can't coach, he doesn't know football, there's no discipline, and they can make a case. I mean, there's none of that going on. And if they want to really make it tough where you really can, uh, say, convince people that don't know, you can do it during the media. And, Ryan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's really tough to say things negative about this fine man, because he really is, and he can win you over 
And that's why it's so difficult. Yeah. No, it is difficult. And because he is a nice guy. And uh, I know some fans are just over that and all the stuff. And yeah, I agree. If you, he's not doing a good enough job. They're, this is a team that went five and seven and eight and four. So, you know, you're 13 and 11 over the last two years with the best talent in the Pac-12. So that is not good enough. That's just, it's not. Everyone has injuries. Everyone plays freshmen. You know, you want to get your biggest game of the year. You won with your third string quarterback because you have better talent than other teams. So to me, you haven't done enough. And I get that. I get where fans are saying that. Uh, let's see. Okay. Here's a, a voicemail. Someone's not very happy coach. I'll play it for you. Hey, Ryan and coach. Hi, how are you? It's anonymous. The uh, person you once knew is gone from Chicago. So it's a nice win over a horrible UCLA, UCLA team. But I'm furious, furious, man, that there's even talk of keeping healthy. I can't b- freaking believe it. Man, oh, so we're 5-1 and one to finish the season? Yeah, who have we beaten? The one good team we play blew us out, humiliated us at the Coliseum, and we're barely above 500 the last two seasons. So I'm telling you, man, I'm done. I am done if they bring Helton back. Terminado, I am done with USC if they bring him back. I mean, it'd be one thing if we were playing above our talent level, but we are playing so far below our talent level, it's ridiculous. Helton has got to go, and I'm telling you, man, I speak for a lot of fans. We are finished if they bring this guy back. All right, man, I yield the balance of my time. Love to hear your thoughts. Coach, thanks so much, man. I enjoy your comments. Ryan, you too. Anonymous. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I love to hear your uh, enthusiasm, what your belief is. I think you deserve that, to be able to say what you believe, and uh, we give you our opinion, too. And I want you to know, uh, and I think I've, I, I do a lot of different shows, so Ryan, catch me if I wander off here and say things I've said before. <laughs> sure thing, okay? Coach. Okay? Sure thing, Coach. But, you know, it is... It is a big decision for the university because there are a lot of people that think this change needs to be done. And I think that if it isn't done, you're going to have a lot of disgruntled people like this gentleman was. And you're going to lose a lot of more of your Trojan fans and loyalty. It's almost going to be you're going to have a split as you did when you didn't hire Ed Orgeron. A lot of people might not be for Ed Orgeron, but he deserved a chance to be the head football coach. And obviously he's gone on and proved that they got the number one team in the country down there at LSU. People loved him. People wanted to go to the game. People bought tickets if he'd have been the coach. And I think right now people are just saying, I'm, ta- I'm saying what people are thinking. Okay, coach, you've had 10 glorious years at USC. We thank you. You took us to the Rose Bowl one year. We got a victory. I mean, uh, we owe you a nice pot of money for a Christmas gift. You finished your final year at USC 8-4, and four, which is a very respectable record for some schools, but we want more. Our recruiting class is not really what is going to change our future. And uh, we're not on the left-hand lane on the freeway as we want to be. We're sort of looking at an exit to get off on. We need, we need enthusiasm. 
We need to have something generate our school spirit. We need to fill up the Coliseum, and we need to correct a lot of things. And I think with this type of attitude, this is what I think everyone's thinking, that if you honor the man with your contract and you give him the money that he deserves to get, you don't try to give him any shortcomings, I think he could become a head football coach somewhere else just because of who he is and what he's done. But he's been there 10 years. He's a great guy. And basically what everybody's saying is you're not a good guy. You're a great guy. But it's time just to make a change. And it's time to go a different direction. And it's time to give someone else a chance to take us to the promised land. And I think that's what's on uh, everybody's uh, tongue. And I think they just need something to get fired up of SARS, buying season tickets, donating to the university, recruiting change. And let me ask you, what's going to change recruiting? Uh, It's going to take more than hiring and keeping Clay. Recruiting right now is just not going USC's way. Just not. And you can't allow this great talent to go and play against you. So you've got to do something to change. And I'm not saying to do that, but I'm just saying I think this is what the thought is in everybody's mind. I don't know if you agree with me or right, or right or Ryan or not, but that's what I'm thinking. And I and I can see exactly the thoughts. Yeah, no, that's it, exactly. Not everybody thinks that way. I mean, you know, but the majority of the people we we talk to, they're on the message boards, on Twitter. People I talk to on the streets, like everyone I talk to, that's what it's like. Now, everyone, you get a random person every once in a while that's like, no, there's, you know, he's playing a freshman quarterback and he needs, you know, more time. And, you know, that it's not like you're going to have everybody that, but I've never seen the fan base this united. There's usually like the split between the sunshine puppers, the people like everything's always great. And the, the quote unquote doom and gloomers that are just like everything always sucks. They're pretty much all on the same page right now. The, the Sunshine Puppers who are like, give Clay more time. The majority of them have moved over. Like, it's time to move on. Just go on. So, yeah, that's it, it's a tough decision for Mike Bone because the timing, everything, I have to go quickly. And uh, you're, you're in a rough spot. We got one from Don. Um, he said, his subject is, well, he says, Ryan, did Keaton or the receivers save Clay Helton's job? The rationale that Clay did a great job with a second-string quarterback, is getting old. Harrell always felt that Keaton was his best quarterback, and JT was only a placeholder for Keaton. Would you qualify this as a football game or just a seven-on-seven scrimmage? The, quote, old ball coach has his uh, subtle ways of making it sound like he has turned the program around and many callers would like to keep Helton. I don't know where you're getting that, but uh, if Helton isn't fired this year, expect him to stay for his contract financially, it won't make sense. Uh, that's from Don. Well, Don, I know you feel. Uh, uh, it's very frustrating because an 8-4 season normally isn't even acceptable. But right now, people have lowered their standards to somehow think that an 8-4 season is a great season at USC after repeating you know, a 5-7 season and not going to a bowl game. So, you know, you've got to keep your standards at a certain level. Would the 8-4 be good at Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia? They'd be calling for uh, Nick Saban's job. I mean, don't get me wrong, they would take more than that. 
but you've got to know what you're expected and your achievements to be. What is your achievement? What is your goal? The Pac-12 championship game, most people feel, should be an automatic for USC. Just an automatic thing. Get your tickets now for next year. Make your reservations in Las Vegas, if you remember next year. So, you know, this is what it's gotten to. What level of competition, what level of recruiting, where you're in the top three every year in recruiting, automatically, because people are waiting for you to offer them a scholarship, not taking kids that have to think about it and see who's going to be the coach and this and that and going other places, because there's no reason to go anyplace else. Like I've told you, some of these schools visit their kids and fly them in at night. So they can't see there's nothing around the school but the school. I mean, fly them in during the day in Southern California, fly them over Big Bear, Lake Arrowhead, take them out to Catalina, drive them around the valley or fly them around the valley in a plane and let them see what their opportunities are in Southern California in the weather. I mean, in the Coliseum and the conference and everything else. Yet these kids want to go somewhere else. Are you kidding me? It used to be an honor. I remember when I wanted to be a coach, if I could have ever coached at USC, I would have coached for free. And now today, uh, you've got to talk kids into not going to some of these areas they're going to. Are you kidding me? Are you going to live there, son? If you're going to live there, why don't you buy a house when you go to school there? You've got a good deal on it now. There's not much opportunity after college at some of these universities. Not that they're not great schools, but what's your future? Not just playing football, but your alumni, every single thing that's part of college, your networking. Why do you go to college for the experiences and the networking, not only just on the football field, but everywhere? Your alumni, opportunity, all of the above. So, you know, you've got to be able to sell this to a student-athlete, but you've got to want a student-athlete to want to pick up the phone and say, hey, David, it's USC calling. And the kid goes, no, you're kidding me. Yes, it's USC, and they want to touch Coach Clay Helton or whoever. Did you want the kid to say, oh, God, I don't know what to say. That's not the case. So that means there's something wrong. But that's where it's always been. So, you know, Pete Carroll used to be able to go on the way home anywhere through South Central or anywhere else walk into a liquor store, buy a guy a cup of coffee, and they'd all gather around him. and They just loved it because of what he is and what the school stood for. That's what USC is supposed to be about. Nothing about anything else, academically, athletically, in every area of the university. And right now, who looks at it like that as far as the football program? Yeah. Don't th- yeah, it's not. It's just not the same right now, Coach. So and it, so you can understand the fans' frustration. It's uh, it, you can feel it out there. Um, this one's Frank. He said, "Did UCLA really just win the war, guys? Did UCLA really get the last laugh by getting uh, humiliated by Clay Helton? I mean, every Bruin Bruins dream is for us to keep this coach. Is this a possibility? A couple of weeks ago, I felt that Mike Bone or Carol Fult." Uh, gave me the confidence that change would happen. And that feeling is now even stronger. I'm hoping by the time you read this, I'm completely wrong. But everything I'm reading says otherwise. Uh, from the War Room, the local paper, and national columnists, why do I feel this disappointed? And to, to be that school from Westwood Tech, 
uh, to, I'm sorry, I think he means to beat that skull for Westwood Tech. This can't be normal. I feel I should make plans to go to San Diego for the next five years in December because until a change is made, that's our destination at best. Regards, Frank, class of 04, painfully fight on. Well, let me give you for instances. You know, I, I see a lot of people and I go a lot of places and I do a lot of shows and MC a lot of events and do different things. And I was at this event the other day with some UCLA people and I was speaking and I asked this question. I said, at USC, would you like to see Clay Helton stay on or would you want to see Urban Meyer get the job? You should have seen their faces when I asked that question. (laughs) 100% they want Clay to keep his job. 100%. So that shows you the fear as far as nothing against Clay Helton, but Urban Meyer hasn't even been offered a job at USC. But it's a star. It's somebody that's done it. It's life. It's like lighting a a candle for somebody. UCLA doesn't want that to happen, okay? And not only UCLA, the Pac-12, all their coaches don't want that to happen because it's a superstar in L.A. and Hollywood. It's another type of Pete Carroll that came in. Pete Carroll came in camouflaged. No one really knew what he could do, but he did it. This person has done it and can get the ear of parents and players and put together the type of staff that has the experience of people that surround him that have been head coaches or are going to want to be a head coach and has the qualifications to be a head coach because they know if I go with a coach like this, we're going to win and I'm going to get a head coaching job just like the head coach at Ohio State right now, who just a couple of years ago was a quarterback coach. But Urban Meyer recommended him to Gene Smith to be the head football coach at Ohio State, and he's the head coach at Ohio State now. Yeah. So you've got to be able to have those type of quality coaches on your staff, and they work for a man that they look up to, and they know that they, they're here to get it done and, and make their career a better career, and I have an opportunity here. This is a great opportunity, and this is what this job is all about. It just is so easy for me to see that in L.A. you have LeBron James, you have the Rams, you got the Chargers, you got hockey, you got everything. Well, unless you have a superstar, too, you know, you can't compete with the ticket or the money or the choices that other people have, and I think... USC needs a transfusion. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we'll see what happens. Anyone that's been in a competitive environment before, you could be playing pickup hoops, uh, it would have been maybe Little League Baseball, whatever, some competitive environment where you're going against an opponent. You're playing checkers or something. Um, There's usually, you're, you know, no one's good at everything. And so you're, you're defending a guy that you know from your local gym and he's really good at shooting threes, but he doesn't drive to the hoop all that well, or what, or maybe he can't drive to his left. And what you're hoping he's going to do is drive to his left more and not uh, come off a, a screen or something and then shoot a three, because that's harder for you to defend. So if you could tell him in his mind, like, hey, drive to the hoop more, drive to the hoop more. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to drive to the hoop more, even though that's not his best quality and you, what your opponent would rather have him do or... 
Uh, you know, if you're you're playing little league and you really can't hit the slider, and you the the pitcher's really good, he can throw a slider, he can throw a fastball, and you're like, please throw a fastball, please, and they and they keep throwing fastballs. You're like, this is good, this is what I want. And when you talk to your opponents, like, what would your opponents want? If your opponents want what you're doing, you're probably doing the wrong thing because that means if you're like, hey, we're going to keep Clay Helton. If that's what all your opponents want. You need to look in the mirror and say, why are we doing this? If all your opponents do not want you to hire Urban Meyer and they all know it would be a disaster for them, why wouldn't USC look at doing that as well? So it, I don't know. I guess it kind of looks at that, that way, coach. Whatever you're doing, usually there's a you know two sides to this. You're going, you're being competitive against someone. You want them to do a certain thing, and it's better for you when they do that, and it's not good for you when they don't. You're exactly right, Ryan, and you you know that in your in your business line. You know who you can compete with, and if someone else comes in on a bid or something, you say, "Oh no, I didn't think he was going to get involved in this job," or, "Or this person's got, uh, oh no, this is this is not good," or whatever. So you know that people who can perform or have done it and so on, or say you're getting bids coming in for a job, and they're both equal. But this guy built the high-rises, this guy built that high-rise, this guy built these high-rises, and this guy over here that's been only built a couple of 10-story buildings, okay? Well, who are you going to go with? Normally, you want your building to stand, okay, and be up there. You want to be able to top it off and be one of the tops in the world. Well, that's the same type of situation USC is faced with right now. That's if they make a change. And... Like I told you a while ago, they presented the new athletic director, Clay Hilton, that after came the game ball. Yeah, well, and, uh, that's a good segue. We have a voicemail about that. Uh, so I'm going to play it for you and get your thoughts, Coach. Hold okay, on. okay, Here okay. Hi, this is Richard uh, from Palm Springs right after the uh, UCLA game. I'm happy for the win. Uh, I think that the finding moment of the game, at least for me, was when – the new athletic director came and, with a big smile, put his arm around Clay Helton. Uh, to me, that looks like perhaps Helton is coming back. I uh, I don't know. But, uh, you know, you don't decide a guy's future on one game. You decide it over the course of a couple of years. And SC has been a 500 team over the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know. I, I just can't see having Helton for – Another year, but uh, with that thing that happened with the athletic director, you know, maybe he's coming back. We'll find out. Uh, love your show. I would appreciate your guys' input of what do you think Elton's chances are of coming back uh, now that UCLA has lost to SC. You know, it's. Uh, I think also with uh, Chip Kelly, he should start thinking about where he's going to be going for a couple of years. Because man, they look terrible. Love the show. Fight on. Bye. And then, uh, Richard, as Coach mentioned, too, if you watched, uh, I think uh, Gavin Morris had it on his Instagram feed, Clay Helton gave a game ball to Coach Bone, Mike Bone, um, and then also to, uh, I think he called her Miss Carol, uh, Carol Fult, the uh, president. So they both got game balls in the uh, locker room. So a little bit of politicking, I guess you could say, because some campaigning in the locker room after the game. Yeah, they're trying, he's trying to save his job. And I tell you, it's smart. And first of all, let me let me tell you this: I don't think it's smart for an athletic director to do that, because if he does make a move, I'm going to be very suspicious of him. Because I want somebody to make an opinion as an opinion, not 
pat me on the back and hug me on Saturday and fire me on Sunday. I'd rather stay away from it, congratulate him on the win, be a part of it, not be a presenter of ball, stay away from it all. Yes, I showed my support by being there at the game, but I got to make some difficult decisions. So I, I don't think, I, I don't know if that's the right thing to do as far as celebrating like they had just won the national championship, okay? It's, uh, it's a very delicate situation. And you didn't win the national championship, and you've got to make some decisions. And the college president, the same way. Don't put you yourself in this position where, you know, I don't want to call it a bribe, but where you're in a position where uh, your demonstration of actions speak for you. You're better to stay away, congratulate them, and then move on because you've got some difficult suggestions to do. And I don't like it. More or less, Ed Orgeron was treated the same way if they make a change, like Pat by Pat Hayden when he went out recruiting and then was called in off the road and said, we've made a change. Uh, that, you know, or the way they relieved Steve Sar- or Lane Kiffin from his coaching job in, in the airport after they returned from Arizona State. Come on, guys. There's ways of doing things, okay? And uh, I think it's uh, there's going to be a lot of valuation going on as far as on my behalf on how the new AD handles these things, that these tough decisions he has to make. And I think that you can't become too friendly in this type of position. Yes, I respect who you are, but putting your arm around people and getting game balls and so on and then have to make a decision is not the right way to go. I, I just don't think that was the right thing to do. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back finishing up all the questions uh, for post-USC-UCLA. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. We still got a bunch of questions to get to, but I want to let everyone know the, the new polls did come out on Sunday morning. The coaches poll and the AP poll and USC slipped into both of them up to number 25. Sort of probably a reaction coach to being number 23 in the um, college football playoff poll uh, last week where USC was essentially 33rd and other, other teams receiving votes um, in the uh, AP poll last week. Now they're jumped up, you know, beating a four and seven team. You you jump up eight spots to number twenty five. Whatever, okay, that's they're just polls. But USC is actually ranked now, so a third uh, ranked team in the Pac twelve. Uh, Washington lost, so they were close as well. They were in the same area, but they're out now. So really, only three three teams at the top of the Pac twelve. Oregon dropped down also because of their uh, because of their loss uh, to Arizona State. Um, we got a question from Jim B. He says, hey, guys, great program. Keep up the good work. I keep hearing that Urban Meyer's wife loves Southern California and that they actually bought a home in SoCal. Is that true? 
If it's true, then they must have plans to move to SoCal. Would that not increase the chances that he might actually want the USC job or is it just a rumor with no basis in reality? I keep hearing people say this on all these USC forums. Uh, fight on Jim B. I'll do it real quick. Um, no, I yeah, we, we put some stuff in the war room on that. Uh, com, you know, not true. He has not bought a house in Southern California. So um, I know there's some people that have said that, but from what I don't know if you heard anything different, coach, but uh, pe- sources I talked to, that is just not true. No, I haven't heard anything different. I, I think he certainly would want to live in Southern California. I really do. I don't know how many of you, uh, why did you move out here from wherever you're from? Uh, there's a reason to live here. That's why prices are more expensive here because of some reason, right? Yeah. So it sort of offers you something more than where you came from, or unless you're here for good of your job and your purposes, which are very, it's very good. But, uh, yeah, I would think he'd love to be at Manhattan beach or Newport beach or wherever he felt to be probably closer to Manhattan beach. If he's planning on coaching at USC, but, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about where he lives or where he stays when he's out here for his shows or yeah. any we- of that stuff. We, so he I comes don't. out here on the weekends for the Fox show. I mean, last weekend they were in Columbus, so he was just home because that's, you know, that's where he lives. But, um, you know, we put in the war room a couple of weeks ago. He stays in a hotel when he's out here. He hasn't bought a house. Um, so that's uh, we know people at Fox. We, we've we've talked to people. That's that's just not true. So sorry to uh, burst your bubble there. Um, we, Sergeant Strong. Uh, we had Don right in more like more of the same stuff uh, about. Coach Helton, we can't read every question because they're, they're, they're really a lot of them are exactly the same. So sorry about that. Um, we do have a text uh, that came in. said, love the podcast. Assuming that Clay Helton returns, could there be a push to find a new defensive coordinator? If so, who might qualify as the DC hire? Um, separately, it seems like Carroll's offense is coming into form after one full season. Do you expect the offense to continue improving as we've seen over the next few games, thanks for providing such uh, high quality content every week. Um, yeah, if, if so, say Clay Hilton does stay, do you feel like he's going to hire a new defensive coordinator, make any other changes? What What do you think, Coach? Well, if uh, Coach Clay Hilton stays, there'd be stipulations. If I was the athletic director, and I'm not the athletic director, but I'm just observing, and what I would say, I would call you in and say, you know, the kids really play hard for you. They like you, but. We've got to make some changes in areas that aren't satisfactory. Uh, we've got to make a, a change on the defensive side of the football. Uh, that means the entire staff, because I want the new defensive coordinator who we both decide on who's going to be that. It's not going to be family and friends. Uh, to have at least a say on whose assistant coaches are on the defensive side of the football. Because if you bring in the defensive type of coordinator we need here, he has the contacts of the quality of type of coaches we need to have here. That'd be one thing. Not only would they be great coaches, they'd be great recruiters. We need to improve in recruiting. We need to improve in discipline. We can't have penalties. We need to have discipline on everything we do in this football program. Then I'd say also on the special team side, we spend so much time in the special teams, as far as practice is concerned, that we're not getting the performance. Basically, what I'm saying, we're studying for the test and failing it. That can't continue to go because it's so important. It's one-third of the game. And on the offensive side of the football, I'd say, yeah, we throw the ball very well, but we've got to develop the running game to be more part of our football program. 
And that means we've got to be prepared for short yardage. We can't bring his foot receiver into the game, number 80, and I won't say his name. You can look it up and play him as a tight end on a short yardage situation and ask him to block. Little things like that have got to be corrected. And we've got to get somebody that knows or somehow you've got to convince me that the running game, short yardage offense, going under center will become part of the offensive game. A complete offensive uh, philosophy that covers all game type situations wherever you are on the field. Then I would say, let's take your front office personnel from step one all the way from the secretaries, all the way to the recruiting coordinators, all the way to all your GAs, your assistants, and so on, and see what their qualifications are. And obviously in the recruiting department, it's not working. It's not working. People aren't going to, when this coach or recruiter calls, they're not going to listen or return his call. You've got to have someone else, and I don't even know them. So, you know, they're not family and friends. I'm just telling you what I would be saying. I need fresh blood. I need fresh people. I need people that called it, have been there, done it, like Tommy Luganbill, somebody that they know who they are because he's put together the ESPN recruiting that they do on TV and everything else. I'm just throwing a name out. Somebody that headed up that knows every single high school coach in the country, has been there, is old enough to be mature enough to know how to put a staff together and have a personnel department that knows and is respected in all areas as far as what they've done, who they've evaluated, who they've recruited, and all of the above. I would go through the strength and coaching uh, conditioning program and see what relationship that has with the success of tug-of-wars and these type of things, the toughness as far as being on the football field. Not that I don't think he's doing a good job, but I don't see the correlation of talking about being tough and doing those type of things as far as to the game of football, okay? I would go through the nutrition. I'd go through academics. I'd go through the equipment. I'd go through everything and say, this is what our equipment is going to be. We are wearing our school colors. Nobody else's school colors. Don't trim it with black. Don't have our coaches on the sideline with one with a T-shirt, one with this, one with that. We're going to be in uniform, both coaching staff and player-wise. Same socks, same shoes, same jerseys, same helmet, everything the same, and same with on the practice field. Now, these are my guidelines. Take it or leave it. Do you want to be at USC or not? And we'll work together. And that's exactly what my point would be if I was the AD as far as keeping Clay Helton and trying to help him have the type of football program that everybody wants. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a couple more and we'll let you go coach Uh, a couple on the quarterback stuff. Um, This is from Ron Pierce, uh, Ryan and company. What are some of the differences you see between uh, JT Daniels and Keaton Slovis? The one I noticed is how well uh, Keaton follows through uh, on his ball fakes and not staring down receivers. Uh, Thanks from Ron. Well, you know, uh, I think that, I don't know why I say this. I think he's liked more by the team. I think he's more of a team type of player that socializes with the players, not just on the practice field, but I think he's the type of guy that go out to dinner with him or 
party with him or talk to him. He's just a likable type of kid. He's not a, uh, this is who I am. I'm a five-star. I've done this. I've done that. I came here as a humble three-star that nobody hardly wanted me, just one or two schools. And I'm just proud to be here. It's not an honor for the school to have me here. And uh, and uh, I think it's going to be a difficult decision for JT Daniels. I really do. Uh, should he come back and will he want to compete against this new star? And I'm telling you, I don't think you're going to get away with in the spring saying, I'm opening up competition again. I don't think you can say that. I think you definitely have a number one, okay? And uh, I don't know if he can humble himself to do that. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure that JT will elect to come back. I don't know any of that. But I'll tell you, uh, it's going to be fun to see exactly what happens and and see if, uh, you know, if somebody's willing to compete and, uh, what's going to happen with uh, a lot of players on this team, especially with a change of of coaching staff if that happens. But there'll be a different philosophy. There really will be. Yeah, They'll be tougher kids. They'll have to hit more. They'll have to do different things and be more disciplined as far as when the game's over with. You've got to come into the locker room, guys. It's our final game of the year. Uh, we need to talk and and get together and let me tell you what we're doing next week. Not 20 players sitting in the stands, taking pictures, fooling around. That doesn't happen. I've never seen that. Now, a lot of you might have seen that before in a college atmosphere. Never have I seen a team sit in the stands while the team is in the locker room and they're sitting in the stands talking or taking pictures with their family or friends. Never. Now, I don't know how many out there of you have played football and seen it, but to me, as a team, you go on the field together, you come off the team field together, you ride the bus together, you ride the team playing together, you play together, you eat together, you do everything together. I just have never seen that type of stuff before, and there's a lot of those little things that I'm sure the new coach will change, if there is one. Yeah. No, I agree, and, and for... Uh... As far as the differences go, I mean, it's hard to compare because this is a completely different system. And we were talking about this in the press box a little bit. It's not necessarily the the full-on air raid where it's it's more efficient a lot of times uh, than some of the air raids. And they take more shots down the field. So there are some higher risk, uh, bigger reward throws. And they're completing those at a very high level, too, because he's got this great group of wide receivers, what we saw for, we only got to see JT Daniels that first half. And I think that's what you kind of expected to see. There was short passing game. He was very efficient, you know, but it wasn't, and you know, it's only 30 minutes of play. We didn't get to see a lot, uh, but that's kind of what we saw. I think JT Daniels would look a lot better if he had a year in this offense as well, you know, but right now uh, we don't really, it's just hard to compare. It's like apples and oranges um, for, you know, comparing the two, but I feel like, you know, Slovis has done so many good things. He's grown throughout the year that, you know, we saw the turnovers uh, drop down tremendously. Uh, that was an issue from before. He's made good decisions. He can move around in the pocket and find things downfield. So I've uh, been really happy with what we saw. And you're not going to see JT Daniels in the spring. If if he comes back to compete, it's going to be in the fall, which makes it even tougher, especially the way uh, Slovis has been able to finish. 
All right, I've got one last question for you, Coach. This is uh, not another quarterback question, but this is about uh, Jack Sears. So I'll get I'll get your thoughts on this. Yeah, this is for uh, Coach Hyde. This is Chris from San Jose. Um, just kind of playing the hindsight game. I wanted to know if you now feel that USC made the right choice picking Slovis ahead of Sears. Would Sears have done as well as what Slovis is doing? Thanks. Well, I'll tell you, when given the opportunity, this kid really performed, okay? So it's easy to second guess. I felt at the beginning of the season, and I mentioned it in the spring, and I mentioned it in the fall, I felt he had more athletic ability and experience as far as moving around. I thought he's a winner, Jack Sears. I really did. And I thought he deserved the opportunity of being a starter. I'll not deny that. And I think he's going to be a fine player somewhere, wherever he goes. I really do. Uh, so I can't second-guess that, but I can't also credit this kid who did a great job. This kid is a tough kid. He came along. He surprised me, okay? I, I mean, I'm not afraid to tell you. He he really played above the ability I thought he could be. Of what? I mean, I, who hasn't he shocked? I mean, I, I don't know how many people out there can say, see, I told you so. Well, I'm not one of those that can say that. Maybe some other people can. I know a lot of people thought he was a great player in high school and did what he uh, what he did, he wasn't a high performer his senior year, but junior year, he really did have a great year. But, uh, hey, I take my hat off to him, okay? He's a likable kid. He's a humble kid. The players like him. Uh, would, I, would I still say the same thing? Well, going back to that time, when, when I was watching practice in the spring and the fall, I'd say, yeah, I would still say that. But now, I might have a different opinion, but I think they need to help him, okay? They need to protect him in the pocket. They need to move the pocket. They need to have a couple of back offenses. They need to have more protection in the pocket for him, picking up blitzes and so on. But you don't want to get him hit all the time. He's moving around a lot, moving around a lot, taking some big hits. That's the way JT Daniels got hurt. He took a huge hit. You can't let your quarterbacks take those big hits. So, you know, that's that's the way I feel on this, and uh, it's a great question. I think uh, Sears will have a great career wherever he goes. I think Matt Fink will stay. I think he's very happy as a Trojan. And I think he, when he came off the bench, he's ready to play. He executes and so on. Uh, so I think he's a great backup right now. But right now there's only one guy that's a starter. Yeah, Keaton Slovis, he's looked great, and uh... – yeah, I don't think anyone really expected that the three-star to come in like that. He's shown a lot of progress. You know, he's just progressed a ton uh, since we saw him arrive there. But just, you know, when the when he's out there, you know, live action, he's been absolutely flawless uh, at times. So there were some some rough patches early on, some fresh mistakes. But since then, I think he's played uh, really well. So, all right, well, let's uh, wrap it Let up. Let me ask Ryan, sure. Ryan, before we go, what's his name again? Keaton Slovis. Okay, thank you. I just wanted everybody to know who we were talking about. Yeah, I think actually the last question I read, let me, uh, was it? Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that someone was writing Keenan again, and I was like, say, it can get confusing because you have Keenan Kristen and uh, Keenan Slovis. And I think someone was, uh, yeah, I think, let me see where it was. 
yeah, it was crazy. Just like, oh yeah, that's what's going on here. Um, that's just the way it is. You know, sometimes people get names confused. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, All right, now listen, before you go, I got a trivia question for you. Okay. Let me ask all of you out there. Kristen Rector was suspended for targeting in the last game before this game. He started against UCLA. Can you tell me why he started when he's supposed to sit out the first quarter or the first half? Well, the, the, the infraction occurred in the first half, so he only missed the first half of the second half of that game. If it would ha- happened in the second half, then he would have missed the first half of the next game. Ryan, very good. I'm going to give you a striped shirt. Thank you. You're going to be able to officiate the next Pac-12 game. You could do as good as they do. I'm overqualified, just knowing that, I would say. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right, well, I guess we'll uh, wrap it up, Coach. Uh, thanks again for coming on, and... Uh, We'll see what happens. Could be some fireworks the next coming days, next week. Maybe not. I don't know. But you got to make sure you stay tuned to uscfootball.com because there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Well, if there's going to be any changes, it's going to happen right away, okay? If you're going to make a change, you can't put it off. You got to get going. Just like uh, Coach Helton said, he's got to go to recruiting meetings yesterday and last night, recruiting dinners. And it's not fair to the recruits or it's not fair to him or his family or staff's family if you're putting off something that you already planned on doing. And you've got to give the new guy enough time to get his staff together and start recruiting. So if you're an athletic director, you've got to make your decision now. That's what they pay you for. Yeah. To make that decision, get started with the new program or continue with the program you have with changes. I agree with you there, Coach. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up. Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me at Inside Troy. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Enjoy the bye week and maybe some of that news that's breaking. We'll see. Make sure you check out uscfootball.com. Hit that F5 button on the Peristyle Daily. Make sure you are hourly or minutely, whatever you want to do to see what's uh, the newest stuff going on there. But I'm Ryan Abraham. That's Harvey Hyde. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus.